right. Amen. Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to discipleship class number 11. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray and we'll explain a little bit about um, what's going on and our new setup and what happened to last week's class. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love, Father. Thank you for all that you've done, all that you've given. Lord, thank you for all that you've spoken. And Father, as we consider tonight the greatness of your love, your, your mercy that's uh, never-ending, Father, your, your, uh, your grace that's abounding towards us, Lord, we, we are humble before you tonight, and we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to hear from you, to receive from you, to be touched by you, to be blessed by you. But Father, I thank you uh, even more so that, that we're looking beyond ourselves tonight. And we're understanding the importance, Lord, of being equipped and trained, Lord, so that we can do what you've put us on this earth to do, so that we can live the life that you've called and created us to live. So, Father, we humble ourselves before you. We recognize you as our teacher tonight. We thank you for leading and guiding us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit into your truth and, and the truth that you have specifically for our lives in this season. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. All right, so um, this is class number 11, and you'll uh, note that it is, uh, uh, there's, in other words, last week, praise God, um, I had a jury duty, and so um, I wasn't getting through with jury duty probably until, uh, I don't know, one day we didn't get out there until almost 6 o'clock, and so um, I realized that I wouldn't be back in time for uh, class. And so I came in on Wednesday morning early, and I sat down and I recorded uh, not a full hour and 45 minutes class, about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes worth of class. And then um, when I went to, I prayed, I, thank you, I thanked everybody for watching, and then I shut it down, and, um, and it only for some reason captured 51 seconds of that class. Now... Um, my darling wife, who's always so encouraging, she says, well, you know, you've been talking about planting the heavens, and so you just planted the heavens with, with that class. And so, <laughs> amen, that is exactly what we did. So I've had a lot of people ask, you know, what about the class? And I tried to get some email notifications out, especially to folks who uh, had registered through Eventbrite. So once again, another important reason for you to register through Eventbrite, because I can notify folks of um, if there's an emergency uh, situation uh, like last week. So I apologize, but I'm glad that you're with us uh, tonight, and I'm excited about the things that we are going to be talking about. Now, you also notice we've got a little different setup, and um, I've been wanting to uh, uh, increase our uh, studio capacity and equipment and uh, be more professional. I've never really been satisfied with the TV over my left shoulder. Uh, it reflects other things in the room and sometimes I think is a distraction. So uh, to give you some idea, I'll be able to put the verses directly uh, on the screen uh, tonight as, as we work our way through them. So uh, anyway, hopefully you'll enjoy this uh, setup a little more. It may take me a minute or two to get used to it, so I appreciate uh, your patience with me. And I'd love to hear from you uh, about this new uh, setup, this new way of, of doing the class uh, mark at hccnow.org is, uh, is my email address, M-A-R-K at hccnow.org. So uh, if there's something that you've noticed that would make this uh, better, uh, more um, 
enjoyable, then I certainly would receive uh, that uh, input uh, from you. Praise God. All right, if you have your Bibles tonight, let's begin in Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 6, praise God. I'm going to do a little bit of review, maybe a little bit more than I would normally do because uh, it has been a couple of weeks since we have um, been together, praise God. So um, Isaiah uh, 55, and I'll put it up on the screen. Uh, we're going to go through uh, all 11 verses. So beginning at Isaiah 55 and uh, verse number 6. Um, he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Praise God. Aren't you glad that we have a God who abundantly pardons? Amen. He doesn't just forgive us ever so often, but his mercy and his grace is uh, new every morning and uh, he... Uh, pardons us abundantly. And I know for me personally, I have needed a lot of pardon, praise God, and forgiveness in my life. But he goes on to say, verse number eight, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Amen. Well, praise God. Amen. I have, um, over the last couple of days and then for the better part of, uh, I'm going to say two and a half hours this afternoon, I did test after test after test, and all of this worked seamlessly. So we are no longer streaming um, to, let's see, we're streaming to Vimeo and Facebook. So we are, um, anyway, we're back. So praise God. Uh, I apologize for uh, the hiccup, and I'm not exactly sure what happened. If it does that again, we'll uh, shift over to our uh, normal setup, and we'll try to figure out what the issues are. Um, on my dashboard here over uh, to my right on the computer screen, it literally says perfect streaming um, to uh, the Vimeo platform and uh, to Facebook, so exactly what uh, caused that hiccup. I do not know. Uh, this is the same platform that we're using in the sanctuary on Sundays and uh, Wednesday nights. Uh, so praise God. We're going we're gonna to continue with this and I apologize for 
the, uh, the issues. But this last verse um, that uh, we have, he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For um, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down from heaven and the snow, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So I'm noticing now that my screen overlay with the verses uh, is not working. I don't know if that will uh, come back to us or um, if we have uh, basically lost it for uh, the evening. Let me um, check that right quick if you don't mind. Praise God. All right. Amen. Well, thank you, Jesus. Those of you who know me, you know uh, that I am uh, really enjoy technology and uh, am determined uh, to use it uh, for the glory of God and for you know the opportunities to uh, to train and to and to teach and to um, you know build uh, an online uh, presence uh, with the things the Lord has given me to give to the world and so. Uh, I apologize for um, any uh, hiccup tonight and, and for this not being everything that um, maybe you were expecting it to be. So, but if you know anything about me too, I am determined. And so we will uh, continue to work on all these things. Now, these verses, let's get back because the most important thing is the verses. You can follow along with me tonight uh, in, in your Bibles. Um, but you know, what we see is that Father says his word comes down from heaven to the earth. And when that word is returned back to him, something very powerful happens. The, 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 the life and the power that's in his word is released. And his word prospers in the, in the thing that he sent it forth to prosper in. And it accomplishes the thing that he sent it forth to accomplish. Now, another passage we find is in Isaiah 51 and 16. Isaiah 51 and 16, he says, I put my words in your mouth and I've covered you with a shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, you are my people. So again, this model is a very important model for us to understand. Father God putting his hand upon you. Amen. I want you to personalize this. I have covered, uh, I have put my words in your mouth. Amen. So he's speaking not just to all of us uh, collectively, but he's speaking to you and to me individually. And he's saying that he's put his words in your mouth and he has covered you with the shadow of his hand because he wants to be able to plant the heavens from our side, if you will, from the earth side of the heavens. Now, in this, we've also talked about three heavens. And we said that those three heavens involve, first of all, the lower uh, heaven or atmospheric heaven that surrounds the earth, then the planetary heaven, also known as outer space, and then that third heaven, which um, we also, praise God, see and understand uh, as, uh, as paradise. And so when Father, I don't mean to be distracted, I was just seeing if I could um, fix this uh, issue right quick, praise God. So what we see is when um, Father has uh, established these things, um, he did so with us in mind. And, and the, one of the key things that we've pointed out in all of this 
is that the heaven over you and me has a heaven over it. And we're not just talking about um, altitude, but we're talking uh, specifically about um, you know, areas of influence, or we could say areas of um, authority. And so Satan tries to control and influence and dominate what's going on on the earth by, um, by controlling and influencing and dominating. Amen. I hope I'm not distracting you here, but I want to try to get this fixed. Amen. Um, by controlling and influencing and dominating what goes on in the lower atmosphere. And so what, what we see then is that God's throne is in heaven far above. And I'll show you some other verses that are related to that. I think I've got it back up here. So just give me just a second. I appreciate you uh, bearing with me. Um, one of the things that I have learned to, even with the technology, is to just kind of roll with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, so praise God, we're, uh, we're rolling with it right now. Thank you, Jesus. Well, amen. Let's see what we've got here. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Amen. I tell you, I'm so gracious um, tonight. I hope you're praying for our country. I hope you're praying over um, the elections. I know there's still some things that are, that are undecided. And um, I know that uh, I've been preaching here at Heritage about <laughs> not letting our hearts be troubled. That's what Jesus told us. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. And he said, to not, to not be confused and, and deceived. And, uh, and I'll be honest with you, I, I've had to get a hold of myself. Um, and uh, my, my heart has been uh, tempted to be troubled, praise God. But we have um, uh, worked on that and are working on that. And I hope that you... Um, are uh, seeing the same thing, praise God, uh, in, uh, in your life. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's see here what's happening. Um, you know, I was, it uh, looks like our video's frozen up now, praise God. All right, so there is the, um, there's the passage that I was wanting to uh, put up. I've put my words in your mouth, and I've covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, um, lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, you are my people. All right, so thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> so what we see in all of this, and I was, I was thinking last week that when we talked about these things before, I never explained to you that um, you, know, you can't get in a rocket ship and fly to heaven. Um, remember what the Lord explained to, um, to Nicodemus. He said that um, uh, what's born of the flesh is flesh, and what's born of the Spirit is spirit. And so many times we uh, get confused when it comes to spiritual things. Uh, because we try to understand them from a, uh, a physical perspective. And so the, the reality uh, is that, you know, while spirit things are very real in nature, they're of a, uh, a, of a different substance. Amen. And so we know that, for, for example, we know, and we talked about this, 
that the Apostle Paul went to the third heaven and, and he saw the throne of God. He saw paradise. Um, but he, he doesn't know if his body went with him or if it was what we might call an out-of-body experience. Um, in other words, there was, he had no, no comprehension of physical or fleshly things um, in that place. And so when we talk about the third heaven and the planetary heaven and the lower atmosphere that surrounds the earth, you know, obviously, um, you know, we have sent rocket ships up through the lower atmosphere into outer space. Um, but we're not talking about just a physical location. We're talking about uh, an, an area of, of spiritual authority and of spiritual dominion. So if you'll, re if you'll remember, one of the things that Jesus said to Nathaniel, he said, uh, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall, see the heaven, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. All right. So um, in Jesus' name, we're going to kind of get settled in here. All right, I apologize for uh, the distraction. Um, so Daniel, if you will recall, um, in the Old Testament, he prayed for uh, an answer from heaven. And we see that an angel left heaven with Daniel's answer um, the day that he prayed. But Daniel did not receive the answer from that angel for 21 days. And it's because that angel met demonic forces in the lower atmosphere that were trying to prevent him from breaking through and getting Daniel's answer to him. To the point that we see an archangel, Michael, came alongside this other angel, we don't know uh, his name, uh, and took over the fight with demonic spirits so that um, the first angel that came with Daniel's answer could penetrate through that resistance in the atmosphere and bring Daniel's answer all the way to earth level uh, to him. And then he told Daniel that he was going to have to fight his way back through that barrier, that lower atmosphere, that first heaven, in order to, uh, to, to gain access back to the third heaven, the throne of God, where uh, the angels of God reside. Now, I'm, I'm bringing all that back up tonight because I want to make sure that I didn't, I didn't leave you with the wrong impression. Because that was the Old Testament, and it's another one of those important things that have changed uh, now that Jesus has come to the earth. Remember, Jesus brought His Father's kingdom from the third heaven all the way down to earth below. This is why Jesus said over and over again that the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is at hand. What, what was once three heavens away, uh, very hard to access, uh, angels fighting demons for 21 days to get an answer to us, Jesus brought that kingdom from the third heaven to the earth below. That's why he says the kingdom is at hand. In other words, it's as close as your outstretched hand now. It used to be distant. It used to be difficult and challenging to access, to get answers from, to get resources from, but not anymore. Jesus changed all of that. So this is, this is the importance of, of what 
um, Jesus was saying to Nathanael in John chapter 1 and verse number 51, when he said, look, you know, Nathanael had this encounter and, 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 and Jesus confirmed it and it was something supernatural and divine and, and he got all excited. And he said, you, you truly are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Nathanael, if you believe because I said I saw you sitting under a tree, you know, uh, you, you haven't seen anything yet because most surely I say to you hereafter, you'll see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In other words, coming back and forth uh, at will, coming back and forth uh, freely. So I want to talk to you a little bit more uh, about this uh, idea of, of, of three heavens, or as we say, heavens with an S, plural. So go with me now to Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, and uh, let's look at uh, verse uh, number 14. Hebrews 4 and 14. He says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So notice, Jesus has passed through the heavens, and it's again, it's heavens with an S, plural. He came from heaven to the earth. He did for you and me what he did for us. And then he returned from the earth to heaven, in essence, uh, creating a safe passageway for you and me to receive the answers that, uh, that Father God has for us now. Let me give you another verse right quick. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 15. It says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Okay? Now, this particular passage is speaking of the demonic forces in the lower atmosphere that tried to keep Jesus from returning to the altar in heaven to pour out his blood for us there. The Weist translation reads this way, Having stripped off and away from himself the principalities and authorities, he boldly made an example of them, leading them in triumph in it. So what is, um, what's being explained to us here? I want you to imagine for a moment um, what was going on in the lower atmosphere uh, as far as the demonic forces are concerned uh, on that first Easter morning, on that first resurrection morning. We know that Jesus has been raised from the dead. We know that when he went into the belly of the earth that he led captivity captive, the righteous dead, uh, Jesus liberated them. And then we also know from a conversation that he had with Mary, if you remember, Mary uh, mistook him for the gardener. Um, Mary thought that he was the guy that was there doing the landscaping, uh, if you will. And she was so distraught because she thought someone had stolen Jesus' body. And so Mary says to, to, to the man that she thinks is the gardener, if you know where they've taken him, would you please tell me? Well, Jesus is in a very unique state in the sense that he is on his way back through the heavens to pour out his blood 
a, a sacrificial blood for you and me on the altar in heaven. The Bible says that blood is speaking on my behalf and on your behalf uh, in heaven uh, to this very day. And, and yet Jesus, because of his great love for Mary, um, he said her name. And when he said her name, she knew exactly who he was. And she went to, to hug him. She, she went to, to grab hold of him. But he stopped her. He said, you, you, you can't touch me right now. Now later, he's, they're going to hug him and touch him and put their fingers in the wounds in his body. But in this moment, she couldn't touch him because he was in that state where he was returning back through the heavens to pour out his blood for you and me there. So imagine now for a moment if one angel who brought Daniel an answer is going to have to fight with demonic forces to return back to heaven, how much more, how much more is Jesus going to have to deal with demonic forces on His way back to not just return back there, but to return back there and pour His blood out to finalize, ratify, if you will, uh, this new covenant that, that we now have with God forever. So it's an interesting setup. And what I mean by setup, if you've ever been set up by the devil, uh, I want you to rejoice in the fact that Jesus set Him up and defeated Him for you and for me. So what we see is that demonic forces surrounding the earth, all within the lower atmosphere, I believe they all left their post. I believe it was all demonic hands on deck to try to prevent Jesus from breaking through and completing the pouring out of His blood for you and me. And we could say it this way, in that moment, He had them right where He wanted them. Because when they all gathered together to stop Him, this is when He thoroughly and soundly defeated them for you and for me. Now, so notice we have a high priest who's passed through the heavens, and then we see that uh, He has disarmed the principalities and powers, uh, other places, Ephesians in particular, tells us that these principalities and powers, they reside again in the first heaven, the lower atmosphere surrounding the earth. How about another passage? Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 26. It says, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy and harmless and undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. While we've got the overlay on, let me put another verse up. Matthew 28 and 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. One more time. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, the them in this particular passage is, is speaking of the disciples. And so when Jesus uh, after having returned to His Father, poured His blood out, He returned to the earth. And the Bible says that He was here and seen alive uh, by people for the space of 40 days. Um, Paul even recounts a time when Jesus was not just you know, in dark rooms and alleys you know, by people who were close to Him. But, but in one public setting, Jesus appeared to more than 500 people and, and, and spoke to them and, and, and taught them. So this was, uh, again, 
um, an, an amazing thing, the resurrection of our Lord. But on this particular occasion, when Jesus comes to them, He makes an important announcement. And that, that announcement to the disciples and then to you and me, in other words, He's... He's letting us know something, and what He's letting us know is that all authority, not some, not most, but all authority has now been given to Jesus both in heaven and on earth. In heaven and on earth. Now, some people look at this and they don't think that that's really a big deal because they consider or assume that this was something that Jesus had always uh, possessed. But that would be incorrect. What we see from Scripture, and we will talk about this more at a later date when we talk about you and me being the legal authority here on planet Earth. But let me just, uh, for sake of our teaching tonight and, and within the context of what we're talking about, when Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, what we know is that when God created Adam, that God said to Adam and of Adam, let Adam rule, let them rule. Those who've been created by God in the image and likeness of God here upon the face of the earth. In other words, Father God delegated the authority over the earth to Adam. Now we know that Adam then bowed his knee through deception, through rebellion, through breaking away, pride and selfishness, breaking away from God, deciding he was going to do things his own way instead of doing them the way God had instructed him and Eve to do them. And whether Adam fully understood what he was doing or not, by, uh, by committing high treason against God, Satan deceived Adam out of the authority over the earth that belonged to Adam. Now you say, Pastor Mark, that, that's a bit extreme. Uh, how are you coming up with all of this? Well, we see it throughout Scripture. Jesus identifies Satan as the God of this world, as the prince of this world, as the ruler of this world. And Jesus came to this earth to defeat him. This is why, among other reasons, Jesus had to become a man. Jesus did not defeat Satan and take authority back from him as God. He could have done that at any point. But he defeated him and took that authority back from him as a man. Why is this important? Because I'm going to show you in a moment that, that because Jesus, as a man, took that authority back from the devil, he now has the, the right and the, and the authority, if you will, to give that, to delegate that authority to you and me. Now, one of the, one of the more specific uh, places in the Bible where we see the truth of this is in Luke, the fourth chapter. And so let's go there. Luke uh, chapter 4, and we'll look at verse uh, number 5. Luke 4 and verse number 5. It says this, Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. This is uh, speaking of Jesus when Jesus uh, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted uh, for you and me, tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Now, this, this is uh, an, an, an amazing passage uh, as well because we see that, um, that, that, that Satan 
is, uh, is tempting Jesus. And we see, of course, that Jesus is, um, is you know, withstanding that temptation, enduring that temptation. And, and he's doing it specifically by speaking the Word of God. He, he's using the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, to defeat the devil um, who is attacking him and, and tempting him. Now, there are some who dismiss Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, um, by saying, well, if, if this was, um, you know, in other words, the devil's a liar, Pastor Mark, and so um, if, if, he's, uh, if he's saying to Jesus, that he has this authority and, he, and, and it's his to give because it was delivered to him, uh, then he's not being honest. Well, um, if that's the case, Jesus would have surely known that. And then this would not have been a temptation. In, in, in other words, what he's dangling out in front of Jesus is something that Jesus came to this earth uh, to take back, uh, not just for him, uh, not just for himself, but to take it back for you and me. And, and the devil knew that. If we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, um, if, if you recall, Father God said that there was coming a day when a woman would give birth to a seed that would crush the head of the serpent. Head represents authority. Um, it's one of the maybe... Uh, most overlooked, but perhaps at the same time, most powerful scenes uh, from the, the movie The Passion of the Christ. The, the movie begins um, with a snake and, and then a heel coming out of nowhere and, and crushing the head of that snake. And that, of course, is, is, is a direct um, uh, picture of what Father God said uh, was going to happen one day. Jesus, of course, is the seed that was born of a woman that came to crush the head, crush the authority of, uh, of the devil. And so Jesus is here to do that, but we know that Jesus is going to have to do that by suffering. Jesus is, is going to take that authority back from the devil, but he's going to do it by taking the punishment for your sin and for mine. Now, what Satan then is tempting him with is an easy way out. He is in essence saying to Jesus, look, there's no need for you to suffer. There's no need for you to be beaten and tortured and stripped naked and beaten almost to death and then nailed to a cross to die and bleed to death. It's going to hurt Jesus when they ram that sword up under your ribs and burst the sack around your heart. So let me tell you what you can do. Just, just if you will, bow to me right now and... Um, and, and I, I will give uh, this uh, authority uh, to you. And so um, I, I, let's go back then. So what does he say in verse number 7? Satan's speaking. He says, therefore, if you'll worship before me, um, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, For you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So I want to make sure that you understand what I'm saying tonight, all right? This, we know from other places in Scripture that Satan um, deceived Adam and, um, and, and, and took the authority from him uh, over the earth that was originally given to mankind. Jesus came to the earth as a man to take that authority back. 
And we see that Satan is now tempting Jesus by offering it to him, uh, not by suffering on the cross, but by simply worshiping before him. Now, if, if this were, uh, were, were, was somehow not a legitimate thing that Satan had to offer, then this would not have been a legitimate temptation, and Jesus would have been guilty in playing along with a scam. But of course, we know that this um, was not the case. Now, it gets even better. Let's go now to Ephesians chapter 1. Are you following along? I pray that you are. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 19. Ephesians 1 and 19. And this is what it says. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ Jesus when He raised Him from the dead, and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. So where is Jesus seated? Jesus is seated in the heavenly places. And notice that heavenly place where Jesus is seated is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. All right? Now, we've covered a lot, so let me, uh, let me come back to it now uh, for just a moment. This is speaking of Jesus' death, His burial, His resurrection, and that He, uh, by Father God, has been seated in the heavenly places. So notice plural again. And we see that this place is far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that's named. Amen. Uh, let's go back to something we said a few weeks ago, and, and I mentioned it again in the beginning uh, tonight. The heaven over you and me has a heaven over it. In other words, the demonic forces that are trying to control uh, what happens here upon the earth has a higher authority and a higher place over them. And we see that Jesus has been given all power and authority both in heaven, but also on the earth. Okay, so let's go back to our passage now. So he's where? He's far above, not just barely above, but he's far above, not just some principality and power, but A-L-L, all principality, meaning there's not one excluded, all power and might and dominion. And notice again, he's far above every name, every name that can be named. Amen. And not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So let me get back over here for a moment. So, so what he's basically saying is that there will never be anything or anyone or any force uh, now or in the future or in the ages to come that will be greater than or more powerful than our God. Amen. I know, um, like some of you, I've been concerned about what's going on in our country. And I know that Satan's trying to divide this nation because he's trying to destroy this nation. And I've, I've never really in my lifetime uh, considered that there could come a day uh, on planet Earth where the United States is, 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 um, uh, is, is not the, the, the leader, if you will, and, and a bastion of, of, of freedom and a, and a beacon of freedom uh, you know, you know, for the Earth. Um, but, you know, there's been a lot of nations, and I'm not, listen, I'm not being a negative or a doomsdayer. Listen to me, please. I believe God raised this country up. Um, 
But, you know, just because God has a plan for this country or because God has a plan for your life, that doesn't mean this country is submitting to God's plans uh, for it or that you or me are submitting to God's plans uh, for, um, for our lives. Um, but let's just, you know, in some crazy scenario, you know, that Jesus tarries his return to planet Earth and, you know, 300 years from now, uh, this nation looks nothing like it is now, that we don't even speak English, that we've been overthrown by the Chinese or, 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 or something uh, like that. Um, well, that, that could happen to earthly governments, but it'll never happen to our Father. There will never be a billion years from now, there will never be uh, a force, uh, a name that's higher, a force that's greater or stronger or mightier than our God. So I tell you that so that as a child of God, you can, you can find rest and comfort in that. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that's named, not only this age, but also in that which is to come. And then notice this last. I'm going to put the, next, the last verse up here. Verse 22. And He, Father God, put all things under His, Jesus' feet, and gave Him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church. One more time, and he, he here is speaking of Father God. Father God put all things under His feet. His feet is speaking of the feet of Jesus. And gave Him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church. Now, if you understand what the Bible teaches uh, about your identity and, 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 and your role uh, and who you are in Christ Jesus then you've probably heard that you are a member of the body of Christ. Uh, Jesus is the head of his body. When Saul, before he was converted, became the Apostle Paul, when Saul was persecuting the church, having Christians arrested, thrown into prison, even overseeing their punishment, beating, and execution, and Jesus got his attention on the road to Damascus, Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He did not say, Saul, why are you persecuting my followers? Why are you persecuting people who believe in me? Why, why are you giving uh, folks that, that are following me such a hard time? That's not what he said. He said, why are you persecuting me? How is it that Saul was persecuting Jesus? He was persecuting Jesus because he was persecuting his body. Jesus is the head and you are a member of his body. This is not just something figurative in nature. This is not just something Jesus uses to try to uh, you know, make some analogy. He is not the figurehead of the church like uh, Colonel Sanders is the figurehead of Kentucky Fried Chicken or, or, or one of my heroes in life, Truett Cathy, who's gone on to be with Jesus. Um, he was the, the CEO and founder of Chick-fil-A. But there came a day when he turned over the day-to-day -day responsibilities of that corporation uh, you know, to his family members and to other people, but he remained the figurehead, all right? Jesus is not just the figurehead of the church. He is the head of the church, which is his body. And so notice when it says 
that, that these, these principalities and powers and mights and dominions and names that are named, amen, that he put all of these things under Jesus. But he didn't just put them underneath Jesus' chin. The Bible says that he put them under Jesus' feet. That's why we see over in other places in the New Testament that Jesus will rule until the last enemy is put under his feet. The last time I checked, feet are not only on the body, but they are the lowest part of the body. And so we see then that all of these things are not just underneath Jesus as the head, but they are also underneath Jesus' body, meaning that you and I have been given authority over the principalities and powers and mights and dominions and names that are named both in this age and in the age that is to come. Let me show it to you in Ephesians chapter 2. And I get excited about this. If you can tell, by the way, my voice is getting keyed up here. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And what did He do? And He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what is he saying here? He's saying that that Jesus has been seated in this place in the heavenlies far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that's named both in this age and the age that is to come. But it's not just that Jesus is seated there, but we see that as members of His body, as men and women who've been born again and are now what the Scriptures uh, refer to as those who are in Christ Jesus, that we also now have been seated together with Jesus in the heavenly places. That we are seated together with Him. Where is He seated? He's seated far above. Not just altitude, but far above in authority over the demonic forces that are trying to rule and dominate what's happening here on planet Earth. All right, let's go back to a verse that, um, that we have looked at once before. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, it looks like we're having a hiccup again with our live streaming. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. No, brother, and I don't know why. Man. It's just saying, please wait, please wait, please wait. I was, uh, I was a little behind. I heard you walking past, and I walked outside, and I 
No, brother, you're fine. I tell you what I think I'm fixing to do is just swap over to the old system. Man, it's really frustrating. So I don't know, it shouldn't be our internet connection. I mean, we've got fiber optic. We're, so the only thing that I can figure, only thing I can figure is that it's, it's got something to do with um, this MacBook because we don't have this issue um, in the sanctuary. See what I'm saying? We yeah. so. Uh, I mean, I've never, yeah, I've never had an internet problem. No, we've got fiber optic, man. It's like um, rivers of living water, brother. <laughs> Plural rivers, yeah. Um, so I don't. Anyway, it's. Uh, I set up. I do too. I that's the. That's the thing. I I wanted um I wanted to get this set up like this. Um I think it's more personal. I think it's just yeah. everybody can't do this. I mean it's better just to see me and the same car, you know. Yeah, instead of standing up and the T V and the reflections and all that stuff. So um anyway. I even like to Well, see, I did that probably eight or nine times. Somehow, I let one go that I didn't, that I did public instead of only me. Oh yeah. Just to, yeah, and, and so I, I was very comfortable um, because I had done it so many times that um, that I felt like we would be okay. Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I'm fixing to go live again on Facebook and let me uh, see what this does. Thank you, brother.
All right. Amen. Well, praise God. Um, we were uh, on a roll there and not exactly sure um, what happened that caused us to lose connection. So uh, you're going to have to stitch together, I guess, two or three videos <laughs> to get the balance of tonight's teaching. But um, let me just go ahead and say we, we are not deterred. We, we are going to uh, uh, continue, praise God, uh, and, and uh, with, t with this evening's class. So um, let's go back. I'm not exactly sure where we dropped out, so I'm going to go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4, 5, and 6. So um, I, have, I have swapped over to our former method. I don't know if um, it's an issue with me doing the overlays on the screen, swapping back and forth. We do not have an issue with that in the sanctuary, uh, but we are using a, a different computer uh, in the studio here, so that may be the issue. So from this point out, um, I'll try to give you time to turn to the verses or write them down, but um, we, we won't be able to uh, do the screen overlay, praise God. All right, so um, yeah, we've got another 30, 40 minutes, so I want to make sure that we get some more uh, of these things in, praise God. Um, you know, I'm not trying to give, you know, I, I know that the enemy is opposed to this teaching. He doesn't want people to hear it and know it, um, but I also know that, that, that he, is, uh, he is rebuked, praise God. And, and that we're learning, and, uh, you know, I want to, um, uh, it, it's, I, I want to do the, the best and highest quality video productions that we can do. Um, we started uh, a few years ago with an iPhone on a stand uh, with terrible audio, and, uh, and, and we have, as the Lord has provided, we, we have steadily increased, you know, with better equipment, better cameras, and, and we're going to continue to do that. Um, and then we've also committed a lot of time, you know, to, to learning and, and the lighting and, and uh, you know, the correct audio and, and these kinds of things. And so um, we went for it tonight. Uh, it, it, it didn't work out as we planned to. I'm not going to be frustrated. Uh, I'm going to keep on uh, with tonight's class. But um, just know, you pray, uh, we're committed to excellence here in all of this, and um, your willingness to commit to these classes and, um, and, and, and hang in there with these classes, it means so much to me. It, it makes me want to do the best job I can possibly do in every area, not just with the teaching, not just in the organization. Um, I'm going to kind of let something out of the bag right now, um, but I have committed uh, to um, and it's it's a it's a big undertaking, but I I have committed uh, and hopefully we'll be able to do this in the at least by the first of the year um, to be able to provide uh, downloadable notes even uh, for this class. I've never done that in the 15, 16 years that we've done it, but that even is you know just when I sit back and say Lord what can we do to make this better and and to and to help people you know really lay hold of of, of what it is that, that he's trying to say to us during these classes. And that was one of the things that, that he laid on my heart. So more to come on that. Uh, so, but anyway, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4, 5, and 6. It says, God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Amen. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So 
Let's go now to a verse that we have probably referenced at least, I think, twice. That's John chapter 3, John chapter 3, and uh, verses 12 and 13. John 3, 12 and 13. I'll give you a moment to turn there. Praise God. John chapter 3 and verse 12, Jesus speaking to Nicodemus and, of course, to you and me, to Nicodemus for our benefit. He says, if I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended up to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Now, what did, what did we learn about these verses? We learned that Jesus on the earth was touching two worlds at the same time. We, and that's what he's saying. No one's gone up. He who came down, uh, and that is the Son of Man who is in. Amen. So what Jesus was in essence saying uh, was that he was on the earth, but while he was here on the earth, he was also seated in the heavenly places above the earth. That he was here, but he was there, and he was there, and he was here. So we could say it another way. He was operating on the earth underneath three heavens, but he was operating underneath those heavens with the authority that resides in the highest heaven. And this is what he's saying about you and me tonight as born-again believers, that we are seated together with him in the heavenly places. Just like Jesus was there, but, but was here, and was operating on the earth with, heaven, with, with heaven's authority, you and me tonight, we're here on the earth, but we now as sons and daughters of God are operating on the earth with the authority of that third heaven. Amen. Let me real quick run through a few other verses. Psalm 103. So let's go back to the Old Testament for a moment. Psalm 103 verses um, 19 and 20. It says, The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you His angels who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of His word. So the Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. Amen. That's important because if we have time tonight, we're going to talk a little bit more about this thing called kingdom. Praise God. But the key thing for us to understand now is that Father God has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules, rules over all. Jesus said it. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth. But now look at verse number 20. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength. One of the things that you've got to understand about an angel, an angel is a being created by God. An angel is not, please hear me, and I know that some folks think of this and Hollywood gives us this impression and, and you know, so if you, if, you know, like for instance, my grandmother, um, she was born again, uh, she died uh, in, in, in from this life, passed from this life and went to heaven, you know, some years ago now, just like I've had other family members that, that have done that as well. Um, but please, um, she did not go to heaven to become an angel. Uh, people who, 
who, who know Jesus and die and go to heaven, they do not go to become angels. Angels are a completely different species of being. And the Bible says that angels, among other things, are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to, sent forth into the earth to serve the heirs of salvation, sent forth to serve you and me. And so when we talk about angels, we see some amazing things. When it says they excel in strength, well, we have seen angels do some amazing, amazing things, and they certainly do excel in strength. But notice also what he says, that his angels, they do his word. Angels do the word of God. And not only do they do or carry out the word of God, notice that it also says that they carry out the word of God by heeding, H-E-E-D-I-N-G, heeding his word. I'm sorry, let me get it right. This is important. Psalm 103, verse 20. Angels excel in strength. They do God's word and they heed the voice of his word. Now, heed is different from hear. They don't just hear the voice of his word. To heed means to hear and respond to. Often, and and to me it's one of the most poignant examples of this in all the word of God, when Moses receives a message from God that Father is going to roll up his sleeves and get busy on behalf of his people who were captured in Egyptian slavery. And so Moses comes to them with a message that God has to deliver to them and the Bible says that they did not heed the voice of Moses. It doesn't mean they didn't hear him. As a matter of fact, they heard him, but the Bible says because of cruel bondage and anguish of spirit that they did not heed the voice. They, meaning what? They did not respond. It's not enough to hear. It's not enough to be a hearer of the word. The Bible says if you only hear the word and never respond or do the word, that you've only succeeded in deceiving yourself. The difference is in the doing. So when the Bible says that angels excel in strength, they do His word by heeding or heeding the voice of His word. Heed means they hear it and they respond to it. They hear the word of God and they respond to the word of God. So let's pull back for just a moment. Remember what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the word of God that comes down from heaven. And it does not return back to the heaven until um, it accomplishes what it was sent forth to accomplish and prospers in the thing that it was sent forth to prosper. Who is responsible for returning the Word of God back to the heavens? That, my brother, my sister, is my job and it is yours. Where we take the Word of God into our being like a plant would take in um, moisture, that, that the rain that falls, the precipitation that falls, it takes in that moisture and then it releases it back into the atmosphere. And this releases the potential that's in the seed, causing the earth to bring forth and bud. In the same way, when we receive the Word of God and return that Word back to Him, it releases the power that's in that Word. He covers you with the shadow of His hand. He puts His words in your mouth so that He can plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, say unto Zion, you are my people. Now, angels reside in the heavens. Amen. So when you plant the heavens, angels, the angels of God, the holy angels of God, they hear and respond to the voice of God's Word. Well, who is the voice of God's Word in the earth? It's not a trick question. 
You are the voice of God's Word. I am the voice of God's Word. If God's Word is going to have a voice in the earth, then you are going to have to give voice to it. I am going to have to give voice to it. So it's very, very important that we speak the Word of God. And so when we speak the Word of God, the holy angels of God hear His Word and they respond to it. One place says they hasten to perform it. They, they, they quickly respond to the Word of God to perform His Word in your life. Man, this is, again, there's so many layers to this. And it's so important that we understand this. And, and I want to point out to you that demons are nothing more than fallen angels. But I think because of their of their nature, in other words, because of how God created them, that they also are in this lower atmosphere surrounding the earth, um, wanting to hear and respond to words. Okay, And so there are certain things that will attract the presence of God. For instance, the Bible says where two people or more are gathered in His name, that He, His presence, will be there in the midst. How about this one? When we worship God, He dwells upon the praises of His people. So worship is something that heaven responds to. Worship is something that creates an atmosphere that attracts angels, that attracts the the Holy Presence, the Holy Spirit of God into a person's life, uh, into a situation, into a worship service. People talk about trying to find God. Just get still somewhere and start praising and worshiping Him and you will experience Him. But in the same way, we see that demonic spirits are attracted to certain words, attracted to certain behaviors, attracted to, to certain attitudes and mindsets that exist in people's lives. One of the, the ways that Satan is identified in the Scripture is Beelzebub, which literally means the Lord of the Flies. Now, I believe that Jesus was doing more than just dissing him or, 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 or saying you know, something you know, negative uh, about him towards him. And here, I think, is, is part, at least, of the message that Jesus was communicating to us when he identified uh, Satan as Lord of the Flies. So think of, you know, we, we sometimes say um, devils, plural. There's only one devil. There's only one Satan. That's, that's Lucifer. He was an archangel in heaven, in charge of the music in heaven. And when he rebelled, he was cast down from heaven. And the Bible says that he took one-third of the angels with him. We've already looked at um, the hierarchy that exists within the angelic realm, where we see there are archangels and we see that there are what we may think of in earthly terms as lower-ranking um, angels. And we see the same is true with the demonic forces and demonic spirits. But there's only one Lord of the flies, so one Lord, many flies. So here is, and, and I'll never forget, I, when this really, the Holy Spirit just so made me aware of this, I went in my backyard to put some uh, ribs that I had rubbed dry rub on the night before. And if you, if you know anything about smoking meat, uh, you cover it with a dry rub and, 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 and it reacts, the, the, the meat and the juice in the meat reacts and it, and it, and it creates almost what looks like a, a paste, a seasoned paste 
on the outside of the meat. And it, it's obviously I love to smoke meat and it's, 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 it's a hobby for me. Um, but I was out there and, and I had unwrapped, I'd taken the foil off of those ribs. And um, the next thing you know, flies were coming from everywhere. Now, before I unwrapped that, uh, th those ribs, I'm not saying that flies weren't present in my backyard, but I didn't see any of them. But when I opened up the meat, the flies were attracted to it. And, and as I was shooing those flies away, this is when the Spirit of the Lord reminded me that Satan is Lord of the flies. And so there are certain things in our lives that, that demonic spirits are attracted to, just like uh, real flies are attracted to, 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 to meat. Um, demonic spirits are attracted. They heed the voice. You ever walked in a room and you didn't hear anybody arguing or you didn't hear uh, any harsh words spoken, but have you ever walked in a room and the tension in that room was so thick you could cut it with a proverbial knife? Again, what shifted that atmosphere? Words that were spoken in that atmosphere. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you understand that you know, there are things that we can say that will cause demonic spirits to respond, and there are things that we can say that will cause holy angels to respond. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of His word. Now, let's do this. Praise God. Let's go, uh, one, I tell you what, one last verse, Psalm 103. Let's keep going here. Um, we just quoted verse 20. Let's go on into verse 21. It says, Bless the Lord, all you His hosts, you ministers of His, who do His pleasure, who do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. In all places of His dominion. Well, amen. Father God is wanting your domain to become His dominion. He's wanting to be able to rule and reign, not just over you. God didn't create you because He was insecure and needed a bunch of people and beings to rule over. He created you because He wants to share His authority and power with you and literally rule through you. This is why when He created Adam and Eve, He said to let them have dominion. Amen. Now, let's turn, and I'll give you a moment to turn there. Let's go to Matthew the 16th chapter, Matthew chapter 16, and we'll look at verses 18 and 19. Praise God. All right, we, we are covering a lot of ground. The, 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 you know, we've, when I say we've turned a corner, you know, remember we were talking about ministers of reconciliation, word of reconciliation, rightly dividing the word, skillfully applying the word, and there was how do we use the word uh, to... Uh, uh, to make a difference uh, in, 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 in our lives and in the lives of other people. And uh, yeah, so again, rightly dividing, skillfully applying, planting the heavens. The word comes down from the heavens, from God to us. We take that word into our lives. We return it back to him and the power that was in that word to accomplish specific things and prosper in specific areas of your life and others amen, is released when we do that. Triggering responses in the heavenlies, in the heavens, um, by uh, the holy angels of God to come and work on your behalf and on mine. Praise God. 
All right, so Matthew chapter 16, let's build on this. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18. Matthew uh, 16 and 18, Jesus speaking. He says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, this, this passage is taking um, all these things that we've uh, mentioned in our last class, week before last, and tonight, and it's bringing them down to a very practical level. It's bringing them down to a, a place of personal application in your life and in mine. And we see this in verse uh, number 19. Now, before we talk about verse number 19, let's go back up and, and, and talk for a moment about verse number 18. Because what we see leading up to this is very important. This is the, the, the time when Jesus asks His disciples, who do men say that I am? Now, because we've already looked at these verses in previous classes, I'm not going to go back to them and break them all down one by one. But He says, who do men say that I am? They give Him some answers. But then He gets specific. Who do you say that I am? And, and when He says, who do you say that I am? Peter, who's mentioned in verse 18, uh, leading up to this, Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say, so this brings us in to verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. Now, I'm not trying to offend anyone's doctrine or denomination, but an incorrect understanding of what Jesus said has led to a lot of wrong uh, doctrine and, be and belief and teachings uh, uh, in, uh, in, the, in the body of Christ, in the church. He was not saying he would build his church on Peter. Jesus is using a play on of words. Peter's name previously was Simon. And Simon meant waffler, someone who um, had a tendency to be double-minded. Think of reed shaking in the wind. Jesus renamed Peter, not because he didn't like the name Simon, but because he was calling him something that Jesus needed him to be. Not a waffler, not someone like a reed that was blown about, but a rock, something that was solid. And so he uses the words Petra and Petros, meaning a large outcropping of rock versus a small chip off of that rock. And he's saying of Peter that Peter is a small uh, chip off of the large outcropping or a part of the large outcropping. And so all of this is, is very significant and it's also very symbolic. What we know now is that the church is built by men and women hearing the gospel message and being born again. And what we know about the new birth is that no man, no woman, can call Jesus Lord uh, unless the Holy Spirit uh, reveals 
that to them unless the Holy Spirit uh, reveals to them that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus did die for their sins, and that Jesus did uh, rise from the dead. And so in the same way that who Jesus was, was it, it was who Jesus truly uh, is and you know, was revealed to Peter supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, that same thing happens every time a man or a woman is born again. And so this is how the church is built. This is how the body of Christ, if you will, um, is built. So I'll say to you, Peter, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. So we know that, that Satan um, is trying to stop the building uh, of the church. He's trying to prevent uh, men and women from hearing the gospel message and being born again. But Jesus said, I will build my church, and whatever the devil tries to do to stop it will not prevail, it will not work. And so related or connected to this is what we find in verse 19. Because why is Jesus saying it will not work? It will not work because he says, I will give to you. Amen. And he's not just saying he's going to give them to Peter. We, we see that he's giving the keys to his kingdom to every born-again believer. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, let's talk for a moment. Let's just break this verse down. Let's talk for a moment about keys. Keys represent three very important things. Keys represent access. So, number one, Keys represent access. Number two, keys represent authority. And then number three, keys represent responsibility. So when we say that, and when Jesus said rather, that he will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about giving you access to his kingdom. He's talking about giving you authority where his kingdom is concerned. And then he's also talking about giving you responsibility where his kingdom is concerned. Um, in that hour and 15 minutes that I taught last Wednesday that only 51 seconds recorded without me knowing, uh, I talked a little bit about my Chick-fil-A days. I went to work at Chick-fil-A when I turned 16. I worked at Chick-fil-A um, during my uh, high school and college years and even some after I graduated and after Pam and I uh, were married, I still worked some part-time. I had a beautiful man that, that owned the store that I worked in. We started at the Western Hills Mall. Of course, there's not a Chick-fil-A there any longer. And then um, when they built the River Chase Galleria, uh, he got that store, and, and that's where um, I, I worked for uh, you know, quite some time. And so um, I remember, though, when uh, Mr. Hines uh, promoted me to uh, night manager, uh, assistant night manager. Um, among other things, um, he gave me keys to the store and he gave me a combination to the safe, all right? And, and of course, keys to the cash registers and, 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 and all of these things. And so with that came access, obviously. With that came authority. And um, I tried not to be like Barney Fife and let it go to my head, amen. And, but also with that came responsibility. And of course, um, a raise. Praise God. So keys represent, one more time, access, authority, and responsibility. And so when Jesus says he's given to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, he's saying that you have access, 
authority and responsibility where his kingdom on the earth is concerned. Now, he goes on to say, um, not period, new sentence, but comma, continued sentence, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, key words here are these words bind and loose, bind and loose. They were used in a way in Jesus' day that uh, is somewhat different from the way we might use these words or understand these words. So what bind and loose literally means, um, bind uh, means forbid and loose means allow. So when Jesus says whatever you bind on earth, he's saying whatever you forbid, whatever you refuse to allow, whatever you say no to on earth, he's going to stand behind you and back you in the heavenly realm. So again, are you seeing this cooperative um, uh, relationship that, that now exists between those who've been born again? Let's go back, don't turn there, but let's go back in our minds to that beautiful verse that Jesus uh, you know, sp- spoke in his conversation with Nicodemus. He said, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So what was, what was Jesus saying there? Jesus was saying that Nicodemus, uh, Jesus was saying rather to Nicodemus, that, that Jesus was producing miracles that people could see from a source that people could not see. In other words, visible signs, visible miracles from an invisible source, right? And, and now, remember though, Jesus wasn't just saying that, that this was uh, for Him and Him alone. This wasn't just that Jesus did these things, but He said, I'm doing these things, Nicodemus. I'm producing results that you can see from a source that you can't see. And so is everyone who's born of the Spirit. So if you've been born of the Spirit, you, like Jesus, are here on the earth, but also seated in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that can be named on the, on the earth, both in this age and the age it is, to come. And so he's saying that when you take the authority that you've been given on the earth and you put your spiritual foot down, that it's not just a human being on planet Earth, you know, trying to take authority and, 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 uh, and produce results uh, against demonic forces, but it's someone who has the backing of the third heaven behind them. Wow. So he says, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You see, in religious circles today, we hear, uh, and, and it's incorrect, by the way, but we hear people throw around this idea of what God allows. You know, why did God allow this? Why did God allow that? Well, <laughs> Take this verse and try to reconcile what this verse is teaching us about this idea of what, you know, complaining about what God allowed. God said, whatever you allow on earth 
will be allowed in heaven. And whatever you say no to, whatever you forbid on earth, will be for, he'll back you um, in heaven. Now, I wanted to give you that basic explanation of this passage, but it's actually even better, but also a little deeper. So with that said, let's, let's go, and I, I, this is one that I wish I could do the screen overlay. But I want to read this same passage to you now from the Weist. And Weist is spelled W-U-E-S-T. So it's a unique uh, last name. It's, it's uh, Kenneth Weist. And he is a Greek scholar and, and, and has produced some amazing Greek resources. And so the Weist translation of this verse reads this way. I shall give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, and in parentheses, kind of like an amplified, if you're familiar with amplified, whatever you bind on earth, in, in, in parentheses, meaning forbid to be done, listen very carefully, shall have already, shall have been already bound, forbidden to be done in heaven. Now, again, you almost need to be able to visualize this. So I'll read it again in just a moment, uh, all the way through. And whatever you loose on earth, permit to be done, shall have already been loosed in heaven, permitted to be done. So let me read the whole verse again, and just hang with me. We've still got a few more minutes tonight. One more time, Jesus speaking. This, the Weiss translation is, is a more literal translation. The, 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 the Bible was not written in Greek. I'm sorry, it was not written in English or Spanish or French. It, it, it was written, it was written, it was written in Greek. Greek is the more complex language than English, okay? And for instance, there are verb tenses that exist in the Greek that do not even exist in English. And so we, we, we start talking about context and, and, and punctuation and syntax and grammar and all these things. So this, this is what the Weiss translation strives to, to capture and communicate uh, to someone who, like myself, does not have, uh, doesn't speak Greek or doesn't have a degree you know, in the Greek language or, or any of these other things. So he's saying, Jesus speaking, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, forbid to be done, shall have been already bound, forbidden to be done in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, permit to be done, shall have already been loosed, permitted to be done in heaven. Now, in my meditating on this verse and, and this translation of it, other translations of it, really trying to, because to, 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 this is important. I, I, man, this is so important that Jesus is basically going to say the same thing again in Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. Okay. Um, so we, we, can't, we can't just skim over this. Um, there are a lot of people who are suffering needlessly tonight because they don't know how to bind what needs to be bound and how to loose what needs to be loosed. They don't know how to forbid what needs to be forbidden, and they don't know how to release, unleash what needs to be unleashed. Okay, So there's no condemnation here. If you've never heard this, if you've never had this explained to you, that's fine, okay? Best time to plant an oak tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today, all right? 
So you may have lived your entire life without understanding this, okay? But you don't have to live another minute ignorant of and not understanding this, all right? So in, in trying to, to capture a way to, um, to really help people visualize and understand what he's saying here, because as important as the King James and New King James Version is on this verse, to me, it, it, when it says whatever you uh, uh, bind will be, you know, will be bound in heaven, Weist captures the ver- verb tense by translating it, shall have been already bound. Shall have been already bound. All right? So let's pull back just again. When we talk about reconciliation, talk about those two branches, the ministry of reconciliation. We're talking about you and me coming into alignment with, coming into agreement with God. And then we're talking about becoming instruments of God to be used by Him to help bring other people into agreement with, into harmony with, into alignment with God. Okay, So when it says, shall have been already bound, okay, Think about what's already been bound in heaven tonight, okay? There's nobody sick in heaven tonight. Let's just use that as an example. There's no cancer. Nobody has cancer in heaven tonight. Nobody has, um, you know, tuberculosis. All that's forbidden in heaven. None of that is allowed in heaven. So what he is in essence saying to you and me is that we need to bind on earth what has already been bound in heaven, and we need to release on the earth what's already been released in heaven, having already been bound, having already been loosed. Now, here is the imagery, and this really helped me, okay? I was born in 1967, so I was a teenager in the 1980s, okay? And if you remember, or if you've studied it, or you know, if you're older or younger, you know, there was something in the 1980s called the Cold War. In the Cold War, you heard things like, um, like mutual nuclear annihilation. In other words, this was when the, the, the Soviet Union and the United States uh, both had enough nuclear weapons to destroy the Earth and the population of the Earth many times over. And, and so during the, the Cold War, you know, the tensions between those two nations and, and the, the, you know, the, had the Cuban Missile Crisis, that was a little bit bef- before my time, or at least before, you know, I was aware of these things, but of course I've studied them. You, you know, th- that's just an example. Now, um, in the movies, and again, whatever's going on in, 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 in the world, where they say art imitates real life, you know, so there was all kinds of movies that, that were uh, produced that played off of this Cold War and nuclear battles and, 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 and things of this nature. And one of the things that was depicted more than once, I don't know if, this, if it actually worked this way, but the idea that was presented was that no one person uh, could uh, release a, a nuclear strike. And so um, how it was pictured, you know, when it was time uh, to send one, and thank God that never happened in real life, 
is that it required two different parties, two different people that both had keys. And, and those keys typically were worn around their necks. And, um, and so one person would pull his key out, stick it in a slot, and, and, and turn it to launch. Okay? Um, but that wasn't enough to launch it. A second person then had to take a different key, put it in a different keyhole, and turn their key to launch. And once the two were, were both aligned and both uh, turned to the launch position, then out of the nuclear submarine or whatever the case may be, uh, came the nuclear warhead. So when we, when we talk about um, something that's already been bound in heaven, the, the picture that I want you to see and, and get in your heart tonight is that Father has already taken His key of healing. He's put it in the switch and turned it to healing. And He's waiting for you now on the earth to take your key of healing, put it in the switch, and turn it to healing. In other words, what's already been released in heaven, what's already been launched in heaven, He's wanting you to launch it on the earth. He's wanting you to come into agreement with heaven. He's wanting you to bind on the earth what's been bound in heaven, and He's wanting you to release in the earth what's been released in heaven. He's covered you with the shadow of His hands so that He can plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, say in design, you are my people. Now, this verse, it speaks so much truth to us, but there's one word that's connected with this verse that we don't find in the verse. But there's one word that's connected with this verse that I want to draw your attention to tonight. And that is the word initiative. The word initiative. Notice that it is up to you and me. Father God is saying, I've already bound it in heaven. Now, whatever you bind on the earth that's already been bound in heaven will be bound on the earth. And whatever you release on the earth that's already been released in heaven, it will be released in the earth. So what if you don't bind anything on the earth that's already been bound in heaven? Then those things will continue to run rampant in your life and, 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 and in this world. What if you don't release anything in the earth that's already been released in heaven? Well, again, the, 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 the same thing will happen. So whatever you bind, whatever you release, it's, He's waiting on you to take the key that He's given you and use it in the way that He has instructed you to use it. Praise God. Man, let's... Um, So one more time, I know I've told you this a few times already. Keys represent access. Keys represent authority. Keys represent responsibility. Now, our next section, and, um, and I'm just going to uh, introduce it tonight. And um, we will, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to try to get part of the way into it because these are things that build one upon the other upon the other. And, um, and I will definitely try to get either the screen overlay or we'll go back to the screen over my left shoulder or whatever we need to do um, for next week's class. But um, I call this part of our time together Kingdom Overview.
kingdom overview, okay? Now, what I mean by overview is I, I want to take a moment before we go any further and make sure that you understand what the Bible teaches us about the kingdom of God. So when I say kingdom overview, I'm not going to try and do an exhaustive study on the kingdom of God. Um, you say, well, why not, Pastor Mark? It's an important subject, right? It is a very important subject, okay? But to do a thorough study or teaching on this, it, it would take more than the remaining classes that we have together. That's, that's how big a subject and that's how important a subject uh, kingdom is in the Word of God and specifically as, as it pertains to the, the New Testament, specifically as it pertains to you and me and our place uh, in, 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 in God's business, Father's business um, in, uh, in the earth. And so a lot of times when we talk about uh, the kingdom of God, uh, kingdom of heaven, um, people have this tendency to think of uh, paradise. They, they have this tendency where their minds go straight to um, <clears throat> this idea of, you know, no more tears, uh, no more crying, um, you know, streets of gold, pearly gates, mansions, this is what people have this tendency to think of. And as I've said already to you, um, that heaven is a real place. And the Bible teaches that, and I absolutely believe that. Okay, But when we talk about the kingdom, not, I'm, not just, I'm not talking about you know, the, the physical place you know, of heaven, the streets of gold. You know, Paul, we've already said that Paul went there. Uh, and came back and, and told us uh, some things about it, okay? But when we talk about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, the, this what we call the kingdom overview, we're talking about the, the, the rule of God. We're talking about the government of God. We're, we're talking about His realm, um, a kingdom realm, um, we're, we're talking about the resources uh, of, of his kingdom, the reign of his kingdom. So again, some of these words that I've thrown out, uh, rule, reign, realm, resources. We're talking about the rule of God, the government of God, the reign of God, the resources of God, uh, the rule of God. When we talk about the kingdom of God, remember, he's saying that he has given to you and me the keys to the kingdom. Somewhere towards probably the end of our class next week, I will show you in the scriptures that not only have you been given the keys to that kingdom, but that you have been given the kingdom itself. Amen. And so this is uh, extremely important. Remember, everything that Jesus did on the earth, he did as a man in right standing with God, uh, and, and, and he tapped into the, the resources of God's kingdom, the healings 
that Nicodemus, the miracles that Nicodemus witnessed that drew him to Jesus on that fateful night, Jesus attributed those things to the kingdom. He's saying you'll never see, you'll never enter in to the kingdom unless you're born again. And that was the answer Jesus gave in response to Nicodemus' statement about the miracles and God had to be with him for him to be able to do those miracles. What Jesus was saying was that those miracles were being performed in people's lives, not under the Old Testament model of the prophet, but under the New Testament model of God's kingdom being present now upon the earth. So let's look at one passage. I'm looking at the time here. Let's look at one quick passage and then we'll pray. And it's in Matthew chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2. And it says this, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. What was his message? Verse number 2. He was preaching and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, when we were in the beginning tonight trying to find our way, I I think this class... um, So if you're at the end of this class and wondering why we just kind of bounced into it, well, look on the church website, look on Vimeo, look on Facebook. Um, This class was interrupted by technical issues, I think at least twice, maybe three times. And so I want you to get all of it. So be patient, watch the part, then watch this next part, then watch this final part, okay? But towards the beginning... We talked about Daniel and how challenging it was for him to get an answer because he prayed and his answer was, was far removed from the earth, three heavens away, um, and it took an angel fighting demonic forces in the lower atmosphere to get Daniel's answer to him. Jesus changed all of that. Jesus came from the third heaven to the earth and he brought his kingdom with him to the earth. So when John the Baptist says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's saying the kingdom that was once three heavens away and very difficult to access and receive help from is right here, right now among you. And so thank God tonight that his kingdom is as close to you as an outstretched hand. And if you've been born again, It's closer still. And so this is where we will be focusing our time together next week. Some key truths about his kingdom and what it means to you and me and our lives here upon the earth. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this time together tonight. Thank you for helping me persevere uh, through the distractions and the interruptions, Lord, of... um, of the uh, technological issues. And Father, thank you for the men and women who have also persevered um, through those uh, different starts and stops. And Father, I believe that um, as we bring this uh, class number 11 to a close, that uh, you have spoken very important truths to us tonight by your Holy Word and by your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that every person listening will bring their hearts to attention. Maybe they need to go back, Lord, and, 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 and listen to these things again. I know 
as many times as I have taught this class, um, Father, my heart is thrilled uh, to be reminded once again of these truths. So, Father, thank you, uh, Lord, for our time together this evening, for those who will be watching this class uh, later online. Um, Lord, uh, we pray over the service that is uh, uh, about to uh, get underway here at Heritage and the things that you have uh, in store for us here. And um, we believe, Father, for good things tonight in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you again for tuning in to class number 11. You have a blessed evening, and we will see you online next week, if not before. Amen. Good things coming. Praise God.